if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Hello and welcome in to the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nate Binder. Here with me today, as always, is Dane. Dane, how are you doing? Doing great. Slightly sunburnt from our Bucks game voyage, but I feel rejuvenated getting back to our studio where I am comfort in AC. There's a roof over my head, no sun roasting me, but it was fun. It was fun, man. It was a good time. I had a, a few beers, got into it with some protesters. Oh God! Um, baked in the sun, sweat out my body weight. Then a cloud came out, and it was solid. Watched Tom Brady throw five touchdowns. Oh, now a good outing, but an outing that has consequences. Um, if you remember last week, Dane carried the show because I was at the Eagles' uh, opening game in Atlanta. Well, this week we both went to the same game, so we have missed quite a bit of what's going on in the NFL now. We've caught up as much as we could during, you know, the busy uh, work day and such, but we don't have a, you know, we're not going to be doing any news today. We're going to save that for Thursday. Uh, we're going to get into something that's going to be fun. We're going to do a great buy or sell debate. Dan, you want to explain how that's going to work? Yeah, basically we each pick three players who were either campaigning to buy or sell, depending on the player, and the other person has to play the opposite end of that trade. So it'll be one person trying to convince the other auction style. Hey, look at these great things about this player. You should buy him. And the other person will, you know, say, well, that guy hasn't catch three passes in the game. Why am I trying to buy that guy? Marquez Calloway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty simple concept. There's, there's players that are, have question marks, whether that's off admirable performances or not so admirable performances. And, we're just going to be getting into reasons to uh, acquire or not acquire uh, or move these players. So uh, I think we can open this up with a, a mystery question that I have that just dawned on me. And it's about a player that we were just discussing that isn't one of the six players that you and I are going to be talking about in okay. the buy or sell debate. And that is uh, CEH. What are you doing with CEH? Are you buying or are you selling? Oh, man, that's a tough one because somebody offered me him in two different leagues actually but i think i think if you have him it's hard to sell him like i don't know what you really get for him and for that reason i think he's a buy just because the ceh owner is probably panicked like you you could probably package tyson williams and like a wide receiver four for Clyde edwards hilaire in some leagues just because he hasn't done a whole lot man they don't the chiefs don't need him to score and that scares me that's why i won't trade for him like they're at the goal line. They'll be within the five-yard line, first and first and goal, right? They probably won't give it to CEH once, and that is not something I want from a running back. He's like an accessory to the offense. He's not yeah. at all an essential part of it, which is 
an odd thing. Like we've never really seen that from an Andy Reid offense. Normally the run game has been an essential part of what yeah. Andy Reid likes to do, but I guess with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, it's just not necessary. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the caveat is, uh, and we discussed this before the game that the Ravens defense, especially after their, their injuries is constructed in a way that you're going to want to attack uh, downfield, you know, with a downfield passing attack rather than trying to run it. Uh, up the gut so it makes sense that ceh had a bad game but at the same time i've never really been impressed with him from a you know uh, just like an eye test juice perspective i mean just uh you know from what little i i watched last night uh tyson williams had a lot of juice and even old banged up Devontae freeman look to have a little bit more spring <laughs> in his step than, than CEH. And yeah. that could be, you know, an outcome of the blocking. There's a lot of factors that go into it. I was exhausted half watching this game, but yeah, I, I'm not high on him. So I, that said, I agree with Dane that when a player's value is this low, he's always a buy for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. They put up 35 points, the chiefs, and he was not a single one of them. Like, I, I don't love that. He didn't catch a pass yet. I think 13, 13 rushes. Carries, yeah. yeah. Like, what are you going to do with that? Which it's like, uh, so the Broncos are splitting carries between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and they both had 13 carries. So there's like enough room in that offense for them both to put up mediocre performances. And it like CEH is the guy there and he's still only getting, yeah. you know, half of what a full workload would be. So it's disappointing to see. Um, I know a lot of people were high on CEH. I was weary. I was coming I was warming up on him closer to my draft because like the hype had just kind of worn me down. But early in the season, he was someone that I was very weary of just because a uh, simple eye test. It's not there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to get into this debate? Do you want to lead it off here? Sure, man. I will lead it off and I'll lead it off with the name that I did not expect would be, a top five wide receiver through two weeks. So I'm going to say why you should buy Mike Williams. All right. 15 receptions on 22 targets through two games. His quarterback is Justin Herbert, the next young stud quarterback emerging from last year's rookie talent pool. Mike Williams is tied for second in the NFL in targets with Stefan Diggs. He has more receptions and targets than teammate Keenan Allen, who was drafted as a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy football leagues across the nation. And wide receiver number five in half PPR through two weeks ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Hmm, this Mike Williams guy was not drafted high. So what can I do to interest you in this uh, Mike Williams asset that I'm holding here, Nathan? Well, first, I, I it's like I, I remember like during the you know the preseason i was like i was listening to a podcast and that podcast kept talking up mike williams they were it was almost like an official guy do you remember what podcast that was it's been a couple the it was fantasy our footballers podcast. it was our podcast <laughs> i love it we were um, right about mike williams right yeah yeah we called mike williams a steal and while i don't really own him across a lot of leagues he was a major best ball target for me so uh, profiting from that. But yeah, I, look, I have to play devil's advocate here, but just, I mean, 
the guy has more targets than Keenan Allen right here now. And Keenan Allen has a lot of targets. Keenan yeah. Allen had 13 targets in week one and Mike Williams had 12. And then, you know, they're, they're neck and neck. I think yeah. Mike Williams has one more target. But at the same time, we never have seen that from Mike Williams. We've always seen him be a, uh, you know, a deep shot, big playmaker kind of guy, four or five targets a game uh, for deep yardage. And and Austin Eckler only has nine targets, and that, maybe this is a product of the new offensive system with uh, Joe Lombardi over there. It remains to be seen, but as as the devil's advocate here, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, Mike Williams likes to go all out for the ball, you know? So sure. if you're trying to acquire Mike Williams – it's only a matter of time before he gets injured. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is your best argument. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much of an argument here. I think though this should tell the listeners like, look, I guess like all we can rely on here is Mike Williams, historical inconsistency as a player. And maybe that sways you, but I think it's a new quarterback. It's a new offensive system and he seems to be shining in it and he seems to be finally playing to his full potential. So it's hard for me to play devil's advocate on this one. To me, the, the uh, reasons for caution are that, you know, the Chargers haven't played. Who did the Chargers play in week one? I'm struggling to. It was the Washington. So yeah. Washington defense, solid defense, Cowboys defense, not that solid. So it's not like they've gone up against the toughest defenses to put up these performances uh or he's put up these performances against the toughest defenses yeah i'm i'm kind of grasping at straws here to to argue against this one but he is a player that's been injury prone in the past he is a player mm-hmm. that's not played this role in the offense in the past and we could see you know just historical precedents win out with keenan allen becoming the true target monster and Austin Eckler picking up a few more targets uh, in this offense. So am I reading this right, that Austin Eckler had zero targets in week one and nine targets in week two? Yes, correct. Yeah, it was a shock that he had no targets in week one, and then he rebounded strong in week two. <laughs> yeah, so there, there, that in itself could be an argument that there's going to be inconsistencies in this game plan. But um, if I'm being truly honest here, if are we casting a like determining vote on these? Um, I feel like the, uh, the the one who's being propositioned should say whether they've been won over or not. And uh, that's probably how we should cap it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's hard to say that I've been won over as I've entered this one over, but I would say that, <laughs> yes, I have been won over and that I do think you should acquire Mike Williams. But what do you think is the price for Mike Williams? I think you know, there's there's two schools of thought here. There are some people that are like, oh, man, Mike Williams, I got him in the 10th round, and he's a top five wide receiver. I'm not letting go of this guy for anything. And the other people who, if they nailed their earlier picks, are saying, oh, Mike Williams is a luxury. Let, let me turn him into something, uh, an area where I need maybe a tight end or something like that. Do you think you can move Mike Williams? You, you couldn't move Mike Williams for like a, a Kittle or a Waller, right? It's too early at this point to say that's it that's a possibility. Yeah, that's probably not a possibility, but that's why I think people should be trying to buy him. So that's why I was pitching him as a buy because 
I think the case can be made for him to be, he could be a wide receiver one this year. It's possible with Herbert, but he's probably a wide receiver two locked. And that's where I feel confident where you can buy him. He, he's looking great and he's healthy Buy him now while you can play him. And yeah, you probably CPH don't have to spend a lot Williams? to get him. What are you sending for Williams? I don't know. So yeah, it's funny because the offer I got was Mike Williams and CEH for Najee Harris. Yeah. <laughs> so it's honestly something I might consider more seriously after this conversation, but CEH scares me as I previously mentioned. So, but yeah, Mike Williams, based on his name and what he has been in the past few years, always injured and good when he's healthy, but never available for your roster. You can probably buy him for cheap. You could probably get him for I don't know, somebody who's popping early, like a, like a Rondale Moore or a, it's somebody necessarily unproven, like a Sterling Shepard maybe, or somebody who's not really proven that they can do it year in, year out. Uh, maybe you can, you know, Cordero Patterson had a good week. We were hey, at listen, that game. <laughs> Devin Singletary has been having some good games. Oh, man. I, 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 but, but that school of thought, like Melvin Gordon's probably not the right name, but, you know, some of those lower tier running backs, maybe a Mike Davis, someone that's getting work that can plug a hole on someone else's team. Yes. Is maybe what you could offer for a Mike Williams. And in Dynasty, he's probably worth a first round pick at this point. I mean, he's going to be with oh, Justin man. Herbert further significant like if like we don't know what the that's a good question because this is a contract year for him so if he gets re-signed to the chargers for me that's a um, and and he continues this level of production that's a big that's a lock (laughs) first round first round pick yeah 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 the only thing is the contract year because he could end up like a kenny galladay where he goes to somewhere like a little convoluted where we don't know what to project Yeah. yeah So it it it's interesting, uh, but yeah, right now I I definitely like a Mike Williams. All right, you ready to move on to the next player here? Yes, sell me or buy me or whatever. <laughs> okay, I want you to buy George Kittle. Okay, um, and here's the thing: like George Kittle has put up two very mediocre performances. He's put up uh, I think eight points in week one and two points round rounding up. In week two, uh, this is not the George Kittle we're used to seeing. But here's the thing: we're he, he's been playing. <laughs> he's been playing <laughs> against the like two offenses that have been doing a very good job of containing the big play. Not, I mean, not against Debo Samuel, but against tight end coverage has been surprisingly well. Detroit has done a surprisingly good job against tight ends, and then Philadelphia. While they've allowed multiple 97-yard drives, it's all been like on chip yardage. I mean, they, they've allowed the second least points per game in the NFL. And while we're seeing the rise of Devo Samuel in this offense, we're seeing names pop up like Trent Sherfield and Elijah Mitchell that we've never heard before. Look, this is a tight end that has a top three tight end ceiling. So I, I don't think I need to layer on a bunch of statistical arguments here. I think it's pretty simple. You need to go get George Kittle. If someone in your league is putting him on the trade back or is low on George Kittle after his first two weeks, like the issue here is that George Kittle is an incredible blocker. He's a very good all around tight end. And so when the game plan calls for that, when they want to spring a lane for a running back or they want to, you know, have a downfield blocker for some fancy diva Samuel play, George Kittle is the guy that's going to be doing that. So that's 
probably a factor in why he hasn't performed up to snuff. But listen, like if you can get George Kittle for for cheap right now, I think that that is definitely a move that you want to make because this is someone that was a third round pick a couple weeks ago. And just because he's put out, like the tight end position is a crapshoot. There, there are plenty of weeks, like, you know, tight end, there's tight ends that are consistent. Like Darren Waller appears to be a pretty consistent tight end. And, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure because I'm so uh, out of the uh, blue, but I, I think Hawkinson has been fairly consistent, like if not explosive, but George Kittle is an explosive tight end. So yeah, while well, he'll have the weeks where he has five points or eight points, he's also going to win you certain weeks from that tight end position with 20 or 30 points. So yeah, uh, I may buy on George Kittle, whose def- value seems to be deflated after these first two weeks. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is a buy opportunity on George Kittle, and there are so few relevant tight ends week to week in this league, especially this year. There seems to be no one really popping yet. So he's as sure as they come with a tight end you can roll out week to week. Um, the only problem is he has, he has such a big name and by extension, probably a large price point. So let me pitch a few names that potentially I could trade for him, like uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which you take that straight up. I think it needs to be situational. Like imagine sure. you're in a league where you want to put CEH on the trade block and someone's put kill on the trade block. Like there are leagues with temperamental owners and there's probably a league where someone has a tight end that's coming out of the blue on their bench. You know, maybe someone is quickly reacting to Jack Doyle's performance or something like that. <laughs> and they feel confident. And they're like, Hey, if this George Kittle, like maybe they think they can, it's, uh, you know, maybe in their mind, it's a garbage for garbage trade. And now, like you said, it's going to be hard to pull off because of George Kittle's name. But here's the thing. Like, imagine that you were going to draft George Kittle in the third round, but he got drafted before you. Yeah. Maybe you offer whoever your third round pick was. Say your third round pick was Robert Woods. Would you give Robert Woods for George Kittle? I think I would. I would think I would, yeah. Yeah, and Robert Woods is, you know, like he's, he has more, you know, points, he, he, but he yeah. hasn't performed up to snuff. So that's another situation where maybe someone's down on the Woods performance at the Cooper Cup. Would you trade CD Lamb for George Kittle? Not a chance. Would you trade Chris Godwin? Not a chance. Would you trade uh, Jamar Chase? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, there's definitely some names and maybe like a Terry McLaurin, probably not, right? No, no. See, but, uh, but those guys were going in the and back of the third, fourth round. So, like, the Kittle owner drafted at the 2-3 turn, most likely. So, so it's maybe like, we go into the fourth round and we say, what are some fourth round names where we give, like, you yeah. know, maybe Deontay Look. Johnson, an injured Deontay Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> easy. In, comes into the picture. A Chase what about Claypool. like a, a DJ Moore? A DJ Moore, yeah, that's an easy I would one. definitely do that uh, yeah. for George Kittle. Uh, or, yeah, or Robbie Anderson, if for some reason someone's higher on Robbie than yeah. All right, that's a fair. I think we, you know, set the set the market there a little bit. Yeah. So basically, I think we basically saying put a one round discount on George Kittle and offer players in that range is is kind of where we've landed. Yeah, that's definitely something I would be on board with. Devil's advocate uh, in your role as devil's advocate, are there any concerns that you have about George Kittle's production going forward, or do you think Uh, this is just a Shanahan like look some we some weeks some people ball out. It, it it's all game plan, you know, uh, 
Yeah, I think it, I think it really is all the game plan because they were playing the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles, two opponents that they probably were not scared of going into. And for that reason, they relied heavily on the running game. But now I'll, I'll save my anti-Devil's Advocate opinion for after. But uh, I guess the only thing you could say is they don't necessarily need him to win some easy games. And they do have an easy schedule this year based on finishing last in their division. So maybe he's not as needed as he was in years past and they might be saving him for later. I, but that's really all you can say because he's probably the wide receiver one or two on this team week to week. And Kyle Shanahan knows how good he is. Like you said, he might use him to block some weeks and that's a problem, but there are so few tight ends that you could really get that are worth a week to week. Sure. Lock in. And that's probably George Kittle. All right. So consensus by George Kittle with like your wide receiver two or something like that. Who's the next player on our list here? All right. I'll keep it in the same position because maybe this is a player you could trade for George Kittle. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. So would you say you're the Kittle owner, right? You're trying to get me to buy him. I have Rob Gronkowski. Are you doing that trade? Um, am I a Bucks fan or a Patriots fan? You're neither. You're neither a San Fran fan or a Bucks fan or a Patriots fan. You're neutral as far as your own biases go. Like, let's just say you're a fantasy player. You have George Kittle. He hasn't panned out so far. And you have Rob Gronkowski, who has four touchdowns in two games, sitting at tight end two just behind Travis Kelsey. So as the devil's advocate, I have concerns about how many mouths there are to feed in the Tampa Bay offense, two touchdowns. Like this could just be, this could be Gronk could finish with six touchdowns and four of them could have come in the first two weeks when he wasn't on your team. They could all go to Mike Evans next week. They could go to Chris Godwin. They could go to Antonio Brown. One could go to Scotty Miller. They could go to Leonard Fournette. There's just a lot of good players on this offense that are bound to take receptions away from and not to mention they're good tight ends. It's it's crowded tight end room with OJ Howard and uh Cameron, Cameron Bray. Plus, we're talking about a, a tight end that was injury prone to begin with throughout his career with New England. And now he's what? How old is he? 32, 33 years old. He's 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 getting up there. Um, and he's playing for a quarterback that's 45. So when we're talking about risk, like, look, I'm confident that Kyle Shanahan is going to put up offensive numbers, whether Jimmy Garoppolo's is quarterback, whether Trey Lance is quarterback, even if they get CJ Beffett in there, George Kittle is going to be relevant. But if Kyle Trask comes in for Tom Brady, I don't really have as much confidence in Gronk. And obviously injury isn't something that you want to plan around. But when you're talking about a, a 32-year-old injury-prone tight end and not an injury-prone, but still a 44-year-old quarterback that's relying on this production, playing devil's advocate, no, I don't make that trade. And I don't think I make that trade in reality. Now, if we're talking about buying or selling Rob Gronkowski, how, what percentage of offensive snaps would you say he's average over the past two weeks? That's a very good question. Um, 64. 84. Oh, that's excellent. That's very good. Yeah. That's healthy Gronk. Gronk smash. Yeah, that is, that is, they're using Gronk as a blocker. They're using yeah. him as a weapon. They, they're using him in the way that New England was using him when he was the best tight end in the league. So Gronk is a heavy buy for me. But are you, are you arguing buy or sell here? So I'm saying that Gronkowski is a, a pretty big sell because you can probably get a big name who has under underperformed 
the past two weeks. And like you said, Gronk could have six touchdowns on the entire year. And this was four of them. Um, I'm not too worried about the injury concerns just because he looks really good on the field right now. But I think maybe you have a, let's say you have a backup tight end or something like Gronk, Gronk was like a last round pick almost. He was undrafted in a lot of leagues. Let's say you went like Logan Thomas and Gronk. I'm fine rolling out Logan Thomas at tight end if I can parlay Gronk into a wide receiver two or running backs, maybe even a borderline wide receiver one. Like people are desperate sometimes. So, okay. So let's say you have a wide receiver needy team and you're talking to someone that has a tight end needy team, Mike Williams for Gronk. See, Mike Williams wouldn't be a guy I'm trying to buy because you're buying him high. You know, like at this point, you're hoping to buy somebody low. But you're selling high and buying high. I mean, I get I get your point, but if you're going to target someone like like a know, Keenan Allen or something like that, who's kind of a low candidate right now, or even a he, Cal- uh, Calvin Calvin Ridley, you probably can't get, but I don't know someone someone around that range. Yeah, I think I think there's just too many concerns with Gronk. I mean, I think everything we talked about with Mike Williams is going to be there with Gronk, where it's too close to the draft. Like if he does this for two more weeks. Yeah, yeah, you're you're going to be able to sell him for an, an incredible return, but people know that you either picked him up off the waiver wire or drafted him with you know in your last two rounds. Um, so that, yeah, I, uh, it's a it's a tough one. I guess it's a hold. I think it's a hold. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I would I would have a tough time trading him away when he's probably won me two weeks. <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah, and, and knowing that he's he has that snap share I think is, is pretty consistent and he's averaging over 10 yards of reception as well. So yeah, it's uh, it, I think hold on to Gronk. Yeah. I he could be a top three him. tight end this year for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I have uh, our next player here and I'm going to go with a hard buy on Antonio Gibson. Was the next player on our list here? Antonio Gibson has not performed at the snuff, coming in in half point PPR at ten point three points in week one, eight point three points in week two. So not a total bust, but nothing not what you wanted to see from what was most likely a high second round pick of yours. Um, what we, what this the thing is, Antonio Gibson has looked really good, and that for me is why he's a buy. Like yes, we I know that. Um, what's his face? JD McKissick is the guy that comes in on third down and he had a great game, but uh, they were playing on a Thursday night and Antonio Gibson had a shoulder injury throughout the week. So it, it makes sense that he only got 13 carries and he turned that 13 carries into 69 nice yards for an average of 5.3 uh, yards per carry. So Yes, it wasn't, you know, the the game that you want from a points perspective, but it was a very efficient running back performance in a game where he wasn't even really relied on because of that injury. They, they lean more on McKissick, especially in the passing and uh, hurry up situation. So uh, this is a guy that got 20 attempts in, in week one for 90 yards rushing. He just didn't get the touchdown. And we know there's touchdown variants here. And look, he got five targets in week one. Everyone's saying, oh, no, he's he's not going to get the targets. But, but for the, over the first two weeks, he has seven targets. And that's not incredible. But if he averages three and a half targets a game and averages, let's say, let's take the half of this number 
between 20 and 13 and say he averages 17 carries a game and three and a half targets a game and is efficient with those touches and gets in on a touchdown or two, like what more do you want from a running back? And, and so if people are deflated on his value, especially if they think that uh, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick going down is going to deflate his ceiling because listen, this Taylor Heineke guy, he's not, I don't think he's any worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick was for this offense. Like I, th- I think they're both solid middling quarterbacks. So for me, Antonio Gibson is a hard buy. Uh, if you can find owners that are down on his value after the first two weeks, maybe people that aren't watching the games and just see the points at all and not a player that is clearly very springy and very good. Okay, so you definitely sold me just now on, on buying Antonio Gibson. <laughs> I now really want to check my leagues and see if the Antonio Gibson owner will sell him to me. So now I'm thinking the next step in my brain is saying, what can I potentially trade for Antonio Gibson? So he was highly drafted. Like you said about Gronk, we're still very close to the draft. So it might be hard to sway somebody trading their first or second round running back, probably second round running back right now. Like, oh man, I'm trying to think who I would have possibly drafted that I would be willing to give up maybe a Keenan Allen, like maybe an Adam Thielen, maybe a, maybe a Tyler Lockett. Like, are you trading somebody like that right now? Who's so hot? You probably can't, you can't willingly do that. So who's somebody, let's say you're the Gibson owner, who's somebody that you would want? Would it be like a T Higgins, a, uh, a Julio Jones and AJ Brown? Like would any of those names do it for you? If I'm the Gibson owner. Yeah. Um, like, let's say you're not as partial to Gibson as you just spoke about, but let's say you're a defeated Gibson owner. Like, are those like names that you would consider seriously? I don't think so. Right. Like the price is probably still very high. And so I'm concerned about that, but if you can maybe get him, T Higgins. Yeah, exactly. And that T Higgins was like a fifth, sixth round, seventh round pick in some leagues. So you probably can't even make that trade. It's just going to be hard to get them, but God, if you can, please do it. Like a DJ Moore plus one, maybe like a DJ Moore and a Mike Davis would probably be worth it. Yeah. I mean, look, this guy's already averaging almost double the carries he was last year and one more total reception per game than he was last year. And he's not even being used to his fullest extent. Like we're going to see more. He's one of the most explosive players on this offense and we're going to see more from him. It is a little disappointing that we're not seeing more with Curtis Samuel out, but he's a buy for me. I am, like you said, having a little more trouble assessing what is the value. Like maybe a player like Mike Evans. That's a very good, very good name. I think you could bring up. Yeah, I think that's a one for one that could make sense for either side, depending on roster needs. Yeah, that, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna say bye for a mid-level wide receiver like i don't alan robinson for me is i would i mean i would trade gibson for alan robinson i think pretty easily but i think as a robinson owner maybe you're not doing that yeah that's a good point yeah robinson hasn't really done a lot for you yet and maybe the gibson owner does like robinson so yeah yeah, that's another fair line yeah and in that in that cutoff between wide receiver one and wide receiver two where players like robinson evans live is yeah. probably where where Antonio Gibson's at, and he's a hard buy, I believe, for both of us. All right, who's the next player you got here? All right, the last one, somebody who went probably top four in every draft other than Superflex and two quarterback leaves. Leagues, Alvin Kamara, not looking great through two weeks. I think he's like the running back 21 right now. 
28 rush attempts for 88 yards, seven receptions, 33 yards, and only one touchdown. The Saints absolutely smashed the Green Bay Packers week one, and then they kind of got absolutely smashed by the Carolina Panthers in week two. So I have no idea what to believe about this team. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm trying to sell him to you or trying to buy him right now. Like, is this offense just going to be so anemic that it can't can't perform week to week? And then if this is the floor, like, that's a problem. Listen, like, we don't know how good this Panthers defense really is. They could be good, but also yeah. the, the Packers defense was not great. And Kamara still didn't need to do anything there. I don't know. It's just so – this is weird for Kamara. Like, you might be able to buy low on him, which – buying low on him is probably like an Amari Cooper or CD lamb plus somebody, but still you might be able to get him. The troubling thing for me is like the inconsistency, like 20 attempts in week one, eight attempts in week two. Yeah. It looked like they're trying to use him a little more in the passing game in week two, but he didn't do much with those targets. Uh, I mean, he, he had an all right game in week one. It looks like he scored a touchdown, but um. Yeah, even with no healthy, like, proven receivers on that team, they're still not really using him like they were last year. Like, that's concerning. Look, this re- repeats a trend from last year where Camaro was not good when Drew Brees was in the game. And it's weird to think that that's the reason he was good. Like, anyone should be able to check it down, you know. But, like it's also troubling that even when Jameis was good in that week one, he only threw hundred for 143 yards. Like yeah, he threw a ton of touchdowns, and yeah, touchdowns are what you want, but it could be there's not a voluminous output from this offense that they rely on the strength of their defense, which I think is the number one ranked defense, possibly. Maybe not after that Carolina game, but yeah, they definitely were after that first game. So yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think, yeah, they'll struggle week to week with like volume for anyone in particular. It could be, yeah, it could just be like slim pickings all around. The thing is, there's not a lot of players. Like, I wish, I wish there was, this was a situation like last year where you had, say, well, last year, obviously, Kamara was excellent, but, you know, reverse the, like, say, Aaron <laughs> Jones is having his 2020 year this year. Well, then you can say, all right, here's an ascending running back. That if I'm really high on, I could flip him for Kamara, who I view as perhaps a descending running back. But at this point, there aren't really any running backs that I'm super high on that are like guys that were drafted in the second round that are already vastly outperforming their draft position. You know what I mean? Yeah, I th- I think that's a good point. Yeah, the running backs have kind of not proven a whole lot outside of CMC and Derek Henry. Uh, Nick Chubb has, I think three touchdowns on the year. He's looking pretty good, but like, but nobody's popping. Like even Dalvin cook has a modest 33 half PPR fantasy points. And then right behind him is Daryl Henderson, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler and quarter Daryl Patterson right after that. Like there's not a whole lot of high performing running backs. I know (laughs) it's a running back eight right now. It's insane. It shouldn't last, but it God, God, if it lasts, I mean, someone has it out for us as people, if that lasts. As the fantasy community at large, someone has it out for us. Yeah, after being at that game, and I think something we should probably be telling the people is you should definitely roster Cordero Patterson. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only does he look good, they love him. 
Yeah, he got just about equal touches with Mike Davis, and he looked far more explosive and versatile in the offense. He was catching wheel route passes. He would be blocking, and then if Matt Ryan had to, you know, get out of a jail free card, it was a Cordero Patterson. He'd drop his block, get open in space, yeah. like lots of high, like you know, high tension situations where they went to Cordero Patterson as well, you yeah. know, trusting him on third downs and stuff like that to relative levels of success, but, uh, you know, yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> roster that guy. If he's not already scooped up, I, I wouldn't make the, uh, Eliza Mitchell level fab moves on him, but I think it's worth a, you know, maybe a 10% or something like that. So, yeah. Anyways, running backs that we could potentially trade for Alvin Kamara, like, uh, I, it's hard to really make a case for any of them because they haven't really popped. Like, would you trade DeAndre Hopkins for Alvin Kamara? I don't think so. No, just because I know D Hop is getting those targets week to week, and at this point, I don't know if Kamara is getting that work week to week. What and about Kyler Murray? Looks so good. I don't want to trade away D Hop. Two players that are very similar. That one is in the top five. One dropped out of the top five. Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett. Now, if I'm the Kamara owner, I'm I'm telling you to take a hike. But maybe you you pair a locket with a, a, you know, some kind of running back that's lower down the totem pole and make mm-hmm. that offer. Is that something you're interested in? It could be. Yeah. Tyler Lockett definitely looks amazing. Russell Wilson looks good. Like I think if you packaged a, a running back too, I would probably take that as the Camara owner. Yeah. So what are we saying on Camara? Is this a buyer or a sell for us? I wasn't even sure when I pitched it. I just think it's something we need to be talking about. Like, what is that offense? First of all, you can't really tell through two games. Are we scrapping both those games? Like where they blew out the Packers, maybe they didn't need Kamara. And then they got obliterated by the Panthers. Maybe they didn't have a chance to use Kamara. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I, it's so hard to tell, man. What do you think? Well, so the Saints play the Pats, right? Uh, in week three, the Pats are a mm-hmm. solid defense. I then will know. Okay. You know, okay. if it, if it's a bad game from Camara, then you know, yeah. you sell for what you can get, I guess. But <laughs> that's a problem. At the end of the day, like I can't remember. I can't even remember. Oh, uh, Tony. It's not like Tony Jones is, no. is Tony Pollard. You know, so Camara is still going to get the RB one work and and have his games. It's just if if you draft someone at three or four overall, and he finishes as a top twelve running back. It's a loss, but it's not a massive loss. It's almost better no. to hold in that situation yeah. unless you can get a great deal. So I guess we're saying hold on Camara or to me, it's it's honestly a buy if you can get a great deal, like we talked about earlier, pairing mm-hmm. a, a locket with maybe a, I can't think of a running back in the right sphere. Like James Robinson is too low. Like, like a Melvin Gordon or a Javante Williams, maybe like somebody like that in a timeshare, but could break out if, the things go right. Like he's always going to be a flex option probably. So yeah, a wide receiver one. Yeah, or a Clyde, uh, you know, a Clyde Edward Tulare, maybe even if, if you're low, low enough on him. It could be. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to, you want to move into our last player here? Oh yeah. That was my last player. Was, uh, oh yeah. Player. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have uh, I have Zeke here. Oh yeah. Let's hear it. So I have Zeke as a cell uh, for me. Everything like I bought into all the offseason hype about Zeke. 
pre-offseason media cycle, I was as down as you could be on Zeke. He did not look good last year. Now, lots of offensive factors working against him from the Dak Prescott injury to the offensive line injuries, but the juice seemed to be declining. And that was, you know, relative to a pattern of declining juice that we had seen from Zeke Elliott. So the real problem for me is that Tony Pollard, not only is he, does he look great? He's always looked great. Now he looks great and he's getting usage. And I think it's only a matter of time before the switch flips here. Like, yes, they're investing a lot in Zeke Elliott, but the thing about Zeke Elliott is he's becoming more of a short yardage back, back, excuse me, and he's an excellent blocker. So if they think Tony Pollard's going to be the electric playmaker for them, they may start to use Zeke in more of a utility role where he's just out there to pick up blocks, get the first down, get the goal line touchdowns, stuff that's important, but is not worth what you invested a top five pick in. So listen, there's a lot of Cowboys fans out there. Zeke is coming off a decent game. Find the Cowboys fan in your league and see what you can get Zeke for. Because I think Pollard is just going to continue eating into his workload. And we could see a 50-50 timeshare sooner rather than later. I mean, Pollard has consistently picked up either more yards on less touches or ran for a higher yards per carry average than Zeke. And uh, look, it's going to be an interesting game to watch on Monday when they they play the Eagles. The Eagles are a defense that is prone not to giving up the big play. Uh, They've, you know, I've watched them allow, I think four, three or four 97 yard drives in the, in the past two games. And they have the second fewest points allowed. So look, they're, they're classic bend up break defense. So it's going to be very interesting to see if, if Zeke is just chipping away here and he finishes with another 15 carries for 60-something yards, and maybe he gets the touchdown, then he's in the same category of player as Melvin Gordon, who you're relying on him to get a touchdown to get the work. Uh, and just like Melvin Gordon, there's a more explosive player that's gradually eating into his workload and his yardage share. So, look, Zeke has, still has a lot of name value. People know that he's got the job security and the contract. So, I, for me, Zeke is a sell at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. I was pretty into Zeke in all my mock drafts in the off season, just because I was in the middle rounds every single time. And I was like, Oh, Zeke's here. He's better than, you know, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, maybe like he had pass catching upside in my mind, but now he's splitting more work than I'm comfortable with. And like you're saying, Tony Pollard looks better than he does when he's getting those touches. He, Tony Pollard has nine or sorry, 11 less rushing attempts. And 20 more yards. <laughs> like that's a problem. First of all, he has more Tony Pollard has more receptions and more yards in, in the air. Like they both have one touchdown at this point. I feel like we need to shift the argument. You should be buying Tony Pollard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, I mean, what the hell? Like the Tony Pollard owner probably thinks he's selling high. He's cashing out on like a 10th, 11th round pick. He, oh yeah. I don't need this guy. Look, I can get him for a wide receiver three. Honestly, that's probably a trade I'd make. <laughs> Look, and and I've made this point on the podcast before. Tony Pollard, when it comes to handcuffing, it's always situational. And Tony Pollard was always someone that you should have been handcuffing because of his skill. He's not an Alexander Madison. He's not a replacement level back. He is a very, now of course, Madison, given Cook's injury-prone tendencies, is also probably worth rostering if you're the Cook owner. But 
no matter what, you should have been rostering Pollard as the Zeke owner. So maybe you're lucky enough to be in a situation where you know that this offense is maybe, maybe it even works out and it produces for both running backs where they're both 14 to 15 point players a week uh, instead of, you know, that incredible ceiling. But at the same time, they both produce and you can ship off Zeke for a solid asset and have that diversity and feel free to start Pollard. Hell, even if Zeke is a top 12 running back at the end of the year and Pollard is a top 16 or top 20 running back, you can probably get value enough for Zeke that you can start Pollard and get the value off Zeke and have more, you know, roster production off that move. So I'm curious who you could acquire uh, for Zeke. Uh, for Zeke, who you could acquire. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you could probably get an Allen, a Keenan Allen easily, an Allen Robinson, a uh, maybe a Justin Jefferson, but probably not. You might have to package somebody with Zeke at that point. That's probably where the cutoff is, somewhere between Justin Jefferson and Allen Robinson. Are there any running backs that you're particularly high on, like a Daryl Henderson or a DeAndre Swift, guys that have performed really well? We'll see how Swift does tonight. That you wanna you wanna maybe see uh take a chance on and move Zeke for? Man, oh, Henderson's I'm, hurt, I believe, actually. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't quite have clarity on Henderson's injury, so I probably wouldn't do that unless I know he's fine. But I mean a Zeke for like a Najee Harris, even. Is, that's an interesting, yeah, that's probably a, a good trade for both parties, really. Yeah, because Najee Harris hasn't done a whole lot yet, but he has gotten every single touch in that backfield. So that's something I feel comfortable with, considering Zeke could you know, could be seeding more work week to week with Tony Pollard, and that's not going to happen for Najee Harris. And you can probably make that trade today in a lot of leagues. So that's probably where I would go. And I am so a Najee Harris So would you Harris rather owner. have Najee Harris than Zeke? I would at this moment, but it's not I by a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I think like Zeke, look, Zeke's probably on the, not the better team, but the better offense yeah. maybe by a smidge. But I think, you know, what you said is very accurate. The the opportunity for Najee Harris, like they're relying on him to, to be a major part of that offense. And the Cowboys seem to be moving past that. And I also think Kellen Moore is a smart offensive coordinator and he's going to do whatever it takes to get the Cowboys the most points and not just rely on the guy that has the biggest contract. So yeah, Zeke's a sell for us. Uh, and I think that, I think that wraps up the Monday edition of this pod. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us through this. You know, we're trying to figure out the games as much as you are right now, because we were too busy watching one and not all 16 on red zone. So, <laughs> you know, maybe it was a little rambling, but it was also explorative. And, you know, when it comes to Thursday, we'll have both watched the uh, Lions and Packers so we can talk about that. And you can expect much more thorough reporting from this point on as we'll be, you know, as Dane said, locked into red zone. So, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. You know, I, we, Bears mentioning, of course, at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be better next week. <laughs> <laughs>